Hello and welcome to our latest Tap Talks HR podcast. This time we are talking to Evie Samuel about them moving away from diversity and towards inclusion and the impact that this will have on people and business results. Hi Evie, thanks for being with us. Hi Anthony. Um, so Evie, let's get straight into the concept of diversity and inclusion. Why is this an interesting topic for you right now? So I think it's really an interesting topic, not only for me, but anyone that's interested in how people work in organisations and really harnessing the value of people to make a business work better. So I know the topic of diversity and sometimes diversity and inclusion is real, it's a real like hot topic right now. Uh, everybody in the HR space is talking about it. And what strikes me as really, really interesting is when we do research and when we look at the topics and the headlines around DNI, uh, we really say the topic is DNI, it's diversity and inclusion, but it's actually just diversity. It's only really diversity that we talk about. Um, and I particularly think this is so ironic because without inclusion, all these great things that we talk about that we can get from businesses, from society, from diversity can't actually happen. You really do need inclusion to get any of those business results, any of those results for your people. But what we're seeing at the moment is the focus has just completely been on diversity and inclusion is almost an afterthought. Um, so I think it's a really important topic now to talk about whilst you know we are focusing on building more diverse um, workforces we need to make sure we marry that up with a focus on making these um, organizations we build more inclusive a really good example of this is you know the latest scandals that we've had with uber for example that have been in the press um, it's just so interesting and I know it's been kind of a while ago since that happened and it's something that's ongoing and you know they're still talking about it and they're still trying to remedy it and I'm sure they'll be doing that for some time. It's really interesting because you know whilst they've diversified their workforce to make sure you know they're hitting all the diversity checkboxes, getting a widespread of people, getting loads of women, uh, because they haven't actually built an inclusive culture and made sure they're having inclusive practices, that's actually caused a lot of trouble in their organisation. So you know diversity is all well and good but unless your organization is also inclusive it's actually to the detriment of your organization and that's really interesting because um, I talk to a number of senior HR professionals in this space and um, in diversity I mean it'd be great to get your view to me diversity is almost like a numbers game it's almost about what can we do to get representation of our workforce in all the statistics that represents the outside workforce um, and sometimes it's almost it's, it's the CEO report that, that you're driving it for. I mean, what's your view on, on what's driving the diversity bit at the moment? Um, absolutely. So there's kind of been a trend towards quotas at the moment. There's been the national equality standard that's come out and very much businesses are starting to be measured on how diverse they are, like you said, how many checkboxes that they're ticking off. So all the focus is on recruitment and bringing in a diverse workforce, but the focus hasn't been on how to harness their talents and their skills, how to foster a healthy culture from a diverse workforce and how to actually use this to enhance your business. So what we see is, yes, we fill the quotas, we get the people in but then what happens after that it tends to fall down you tend to get loads of scandals coming up from that and you know you tend to get really good talent leaving because you don't have the kind of environment or culture where they can flourish so yeah absolutely it's been a numbers game till now and I think the focus needs to start moving away from that because people are getting caught out <laughs> um, it's becoming obvious that it is just a numbers game and uh, organizations are paying lip service to diversity inclusion rather than actually believing in it yeah, and, and when you think about inclusion, it's, uh, it's interesting because it's almost like 
in some respects, diversity is the easier bit to do. You can have a mandate coming from the Exco board saying we need X percentage of females in the organisation in senior positions. We need from minorities, we need X percentage. So it's, you go out and recruit that. And then, as you say, when people come on board and it's the culture, that's the harder thing to get right. I mean, even just a standard improvement in culture in a, a general sense mm-hmm. is such a mammoth transformation task. Yeah. So what, where do you think it breaks down inside of organisations? So I think it breaks down simply, like you said, it's a mandate from above. So I think with diversity, when there's almost a government push... Um, and a trend for that and you know investors are now really only you have a lot of investors that are only investing in diverse organizations so you can see the immediate benefit and the c-suite can see the immediate benefit of having a diverse organization Uh, however not many people look into the actual benefit of making sure that diverse organization is inclusive and the reason for that is because diversity is easy to measure right you can count how many women you have in an organization Measuring my thoughts and feelings and how included I feel at work every day, probably a bit harder. It's probably going to vary from group to group, from person to person. And then once you start kind of looking at that, it's like, okay, how do we become more inclusive for women? Then how do we become more inclusive for people that are part of the LGBTQ+. And then you have, you know, how do we become more inclusive for ethnic minorities? It starts to snowball and it's a lot for leadership teams to get their head around. So I think what happens is... Uh, they kind of go down that path and then think this is just way too much, we can't do that. And I think that's where it gets left behind because it is a more difficult task. Um, and actually, it doesn't really need to be. Um, it doesn't need to be the more difficult task. It just needs a completely different approach to what a business is traditionally used to doing. Uh, it's something that needs to start from bottom, the bottom, and go up, and also start from the top and filter down and meet in the middle, but with equal weighting. So it's not something that leadership set out and you know middle management have to then do. It's actually something that for leadership to be able to set out, okay, how are we going to become more inclusive? They need to listen to the people at the very bottom. They need to listen to middle management, and they need a continuous feedback loop. Um, And I think that's where it becomes difficult because a lot of organisations aren't used to doing that. That's just not the way they operate. So, yeah, I think with inclusion, the reason that, you know, there hasn't been much focus on it and we've said we're doing inclusion but not really have done inclusion is because it's just something that's really difficult and it, it, you know, it uh, needs a new approach that organisations haven't yet thought of before or haven't yet thought they have the capacity to be able to do. Yeah, because I think if if you think about inclusion, it, it comes into to me about the actual people manager who's actually got their team Mm -hmm. and actually their conscious and and unconscious approach to making decisions within their team and what they do in that unit that just thinking about normal culture and and, uh, teams actually if you take out the inclusion bit actually highly performing teams is where quite often the team leader is actually someone who's got a high level of emotional intelligence and therefore empathizes with different people so you could argue it's almost like an education for people leaders throughout a business to actually say well what is it that drives the motivation of all these different individuals yeah exactly and the only way we can really get to that is by listening Um, And I think that's something that's overlooked so much. So, you know, we have our annual employee engagement surveys or more recently we're moving towards these pulse surveys that run throughout the year to kind of gorge the temperature and how people are feeling your organisation. But the problem with a lot of these things is 
yes they are again a tick box <laughs> you can't measure people's thoughts and feelings and experiences of workplace in a tick box because ultimately tick boxes are only asking you to verify what else what's already on the paper really um you know organizations are saying we think it's one of this or could be this or put it on a scale but you can only verify what's already there uh what we see a lot of um what we do here at clearsight is we actually encourage people to use open text questions so when you're asking people their thoughts and feelings they can actually set those uh boundaries and rules for themselves they can tell you what you need to do as an organization to be inclusive you're not telling them and you're not asking them of what we're already doing what's good and what isn't you're giving people the freedom to say this is actually what inclusion means to me and this is how we can work together to make our organization more inclusive and yeah it does start at this lower level with you know teams and middle management but it does also start from senior leadership really being able to say right for us to drive this agenda for us to build a better culture we need to really get down on the levels and talk to people and listen to their experiences um, and be ready to hear some home truths I think at the same time is quite a controversial thing to be able to do and to be ready to do as a business but I think that is what it requires if we really want to say you know we're not just filling quotas to be diverse we actually want to be inclusive and you know get the rewards from being a diverse and inclusive organization too. Yeah, and I know um, someone that I spoke to recently said uh, that um, if you ask a closed question in a survey, you're only going to ask a, about something you know that there's a problem. And therefore, if you're asking open text questions, you're going to find out the unknown unknowns of, of, of what people are really thinking. And of course, inclusivity is down to the individual mind, isn't it? Is am I feeling included in my team or aren't I feeling included? And what's the one thing? And the one thing to make me feel more included might be totally different to the person sitting next to me for all the different reasons. Um, and I know you guys have done some good work at ClearSight recently. And I know you've been like Gartner, haven't they called you a cool vendor yeah. or something really funky yeah. um, because of the work you've done specifically on inclusion. So so that's great. So moving on a little bit, because uh, these podcasts fly by, um, where do you think the role of HR is in all this? When you're talking about inclusion is, is, the, is, is the big thing we need to be working on and it's quite a mahoosive task, what do you think HR should be doing on this? So I really think traditionally, you know, inclusion and diversity has sat with the HR teams or, you know, a head of diversity within the HR department. But I really think this is really a business issue. It needs to come from top down, just as we have all taken engagement to be a business issue now, which, you know, usually gets a mandate coming from C-suite. I really think the same needs to be done for inclusion. So I don't think, you know, it's a case of H, it's something that HR owns. Um, it needs to be something the business as a whole own. But I really think what HR can do to almost convince businesses of the value of this is really go out and educate themselves on the new technology that's out there and the new ways of thinking that's out there. Because I think the role of HR that um, in this case is really to be an educator um, and a bridge between, you know, employees and senior leadership because HR will understand the culture of an organisation a lot more. Senior leadership tend to be <laughs> quite far removed. You know, they may have a vision and an idea of what they want culture to be like in their organisation, but you find it's quite rarely the case when you like are on the ground talking to people. You know, it's not the same as, you know, what the vision may be from up top. It doesn't always translate. But HR should 
have a better idea of what the real culture in an organisation is. And they should really be then able to inform senior leadership and business leaders on the best things for their organisation and the best things to do to really understand their people. And part of that is to really take an innovative stance onto how they do this. You know, there's some really cool things out there which take away the pain of being able to quantify things like thoughts and feelings. Um, They allow us to actually put a number on people's experiences and thoughts and feelings and be able to drive direct action out of that. So I really think it's the role of HR to go out there and educate themselves on the new uh, groundbreaking technology that there is out there and, you know, the new studies that there are out there, uh, you know, that will show and help align business leaders and bring them to rally around the course for building a more inclusive workforce. So really, HR are, the, are kind of the custodians of the knowledge of people, and they're also the, the conduit for the feedback. So actually, they have a they can service the the exco, the business leaders, and give them the knowledge they have about what people are really thinking about inclusion, but also what they can do about it. They can provide the, the possible frameworks for solutions. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning. Um, thank you very much. It's <laughs> always good. Um, so, how do you see? the implications of of this um, focus on diversity and not so much on inclusion, where do you see this going in the future? And what can business leaders really be doing now um, to help them move from, let's think about diversity and quotas, to actually think about the individual's inclusivity? So I think it's really going to do two things in the future. I think in the future, as it already is now, it's going to become really apparent the businesses that are paying lip service to diversity and to being inclusive, and that's really going to affect their ability to attract the best talent. So I think to be ready for the future, if we look at you know the new generation of workers that are coming into the workforce, they're demanding very very different things to the demands that even millennials have, um, and they can you know they have the privilege of being able to have information at their fingertips, so they can really see through smoke screens very very well. And I think in the future that's going to become more and more apparent. So I think it is the duty of business leaders. Uh, to really realise how important these things are to their new workforce and people that are coming through uh, and to really understand that this is something that they have to start to look at now. So I think that's the first thing that's going to happen in the future. And I think the second thing is, you know, when we look at inclusion now, we really focus on the inclusion of protected characteristics and that's driven by the way we see diversity and what we, uh, you know, look at diversity. We don't really think much about diversity of personality and diversity of thought. That's not really where we are. We're kind of trying to nail the basics and get those diversity of, you know, ethnicity, sexuality, things like that done. But I think in the future, people are demanding and calling more and more uh, to be included on the basis of who they are. Um, regardless of what their protected characteristics or their identity might be. So we'll see a shift from, you know, looking at diversity just purely um, how people identify themselves across different spectrums to actually, is this somewhere that my personality can flourish? Am I able to be my true self and be quirky and be anyhow that I feel that I am at work? You know, are my ideas which may differ from the norm or differ from the majority group at work, are they still going to get looked at? And is there still a cult of personality in this organisation? And I really see that's where we move to because when we talk to different organisations, you know, people, what people always bring up when we talk to people about inclusion is, you know, it's really good that we are doing all this work for diversity and inclusion, making sure different people are included based on, you know, how they identify. But actually, you know, what about things like 
being included based on your personality there are so many organizations where it you know it's such a homogenous group and you know you have those traditional views of actually to be in this profession you need to be a certain kind of way so i think in the future those ideas are really going to be challenged definitely and it's interesting isn't it because um so much money is made in the world of business around things like disc and other personality profiling tools over here how to make a high performing team with belbin and on the other end of the spectrum, we're struggling with just putting together the first gender pay report. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like there's a big void in the middle. So over here, we're thinking that, yes, we know that the people's personality is important for a high-performing team, but we can't get past the basics mm-hmm. at the other end. It's all, there's, there's a huge bridge to gap, really. And to, to gap, really. Mm-hmm. So it's in, one of the things I was thinking that when you were talking there is, is we're sitting at the moment here in Old Street in London and recording this. And um, when I walk around here, I really do see a very level playing field between founders of businesses and employees in that business and workers who work around it. There is no hierarchy as I walk around, yet I can walk to other parts of London within 10 minutes and I can see a real issue there. Do you think there's anything that, that the Old Street area, the new tech area can take about the way they approach inclusivity that maybe other businesses could benefit from? So I think here it's just a sense of the intrinsic value of what each employee can bring to your organisation and almost, you know, like you were saying, the founders recognising that, you know, yes, we don't know everything and we are employing people because they have these unique skill sets and these unique things that they can bring to their our organisation. But once we've brought them in, we're not going to stifle that, which is what happens a lot. You bring in the best talent and then you stifle them. You make them fit one mould, one role, and, you know, you make them fit a certain culture. You don't let them shape your business. But I think what you find in Old Street is, you know, you don't just get brought in, you're allowed to then shape the business. Um, you're allowed to really fulfill the reason that you were, you know, picked as a specific talent that your, you know, founders of your business or leadership team thought would fit their organisation and would help their organisation. Um, and it's definitely this idea of kind of breaking down um, this view that there is kind of a certain way people have to be to be able to input into a business and to help a business. Like, you know, we even know that um, from studies, so for instance, Deloitte did a really interesting study on inclusive teams and they weren't just looking at inclusion based on protected characteristics, they were looking at inclusion based on, you know, inclusion of thought, inclusion of personality. And they found that inclusive teams, you know, brought businesses a 1.83% return Return on investment on innovation and a 1.8% um, return on investment on things like performance. So it is really proven there, and I feel like that is kind of what the old street model, if you could mm. call it, that are trying to exploit. And, and I think you've really nailed it actually in, in a way that I hadn't really thought about it. It's almost like you hire the talent, the skills, and the knowledge, but other than that, you should treat everyone like a blank canvas, and only when you find out something around how they think and everything, you should paint the picture of the individual, and maybe that's how we should be going in inclusion moving forward. We're almost at the end of the podcast. Is there one thing you would like to leave in the thoughts of our leaders um, about something you would like them, out of anything you've said today, that is the one thing they can go away and be thinking about or doing something about right now today? So what I would say is when actually looking to build a more inclusive workforce and putting in these interventions, um, make sure you do not paint... Uh, groups with a broad brush 
Um, I think that's something that happens a lot now. So just because we, you know, think an intervention might work for a group of women, we've not necessarily considered the different pockets of people within, you know, the the umbrella term of women. So I think that's really important. And I think businesses that have started to do these things and have started to become inclusive, they're making the right steps, but that's where they might fall down. So, you know, a way to do that is to make sure each individual voice is heard doesn't mean each individual voice needs to be acted on but that will definitely give you a clearer picture on the actions that you as a business really need to take other than the actions that you think you need to take based on you know something you've read or something you see happening in another organization that's great thanks very much evie and i have to say there's so much practical points in there that listeners can take away and do something with so thank you very much for your time i really do appreciate it thank you it was great talking to you no worries and thank you for listening everyone and if you have any feedback on this or any other of our podcasts then please do share it with us make sure you subscribe to us and to hear the latest from tap solutions thank you and bye for now